0: Hey, welcome to our podcast today. This is Sean Bowles, your host. And I love our podcast because we get to explore the prophetic together and we're going to see how hearing from God actually changes the culture around us. It changes the world. And this is season two, so we're actually doing a little bit longer podcasts now. Instead of two a week, we went back down to one a week, but we're making them longer just for you. So I hope you enjoy today, especially because we have William Ford the Third. I love it when there's people who know their generational lineage and that he's not just a third to name. He's actually has a history behind him that we're going to hear about today. He's a in the marketplace leadership as a major at Christ for the Nations, but he also teaches there. He's a co-founder of DreamStream Company and 818 The Sign. And many people know him internationally, but really there's this family heirloom that they know him for that was passed down through his generational lineage and was connected to slavery for the prayer of freedom. And it's a kettle. So he was passed down from the slaves in his previous generations, a kettle. They weren't allowed to pray loud prayers, so they would hide in the barn at night and pray into this kettle for their future generations, freedom and for their callings. It was called a prayer bowl. And he uses this prayer bowl, just like revelation five, chapter eight. He uses a catalyst for mobilizing prayer, teaching on intercession, really revival, society transformation. And he believes it's the prayers of a godly remnant of all races who are revivalists and abolitionists that brought revival to America, ultimately ending slavery, and that we can do it again today. We can end this mentality or this lack of unity in society today. And so he received the mantle from yesterday, but he's actively training a new generation to release justice to the most marginalized today, which is just, to me, amazing. Him and his wife, DeHavre, have been friends for years. And one of the things that I really love about them is that they are so relevant. Like, they're stories they hear from God, and they tell these epic stories that are real, where you can just see how God's interwoven into the fabric of their being. And so when they tell a story, you feel the impact of it's God's story. It's like reading biblical stories, honestly. And you're going to hear that today. Like Will's story is like a modern day biblical story in the sense of it's so interactive with God and what God did to connect him to just the right people to say, I care about these issues. I care about these things. And his life has become a living sign. And they live in Dallas, Texas, and they have become signposts to the Dallas community. I know it's one of the areas where racism has really been predominant, and it's not the only thing that Will or De would ever talk about, but it's something that they stand as signposts in our generation of a kingdom understanding of abolitionist, of ending a modern day racial mentality. And I think it's so beautiful. So I've been really impacted by both of them. I love their, not only their story, but the way that they do life as a family. Will is a family man and his wife is a family woman and together they've created something. I think that is just an example of family and society. And so I think you're really going to enjoy the podcast today. So I'm going to encourage you to engage your faith. Now I want to tell you a little something that we have to offer from Bowles Ministries to you. Have you ever thought about developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge? Well, I have an eight-week e-course on this called God's Secrets, and this is developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge, and I'm going to take you through teaching, activations, impartations, even quizzes to understand what words of knowledge are and how to have a biblical-based approach to applying these in your everyday life. I want to encourage you download it now. You can do it online at your convenience over 8 weeks and it's going to change the way you think about the prophetic. Go to bowlsministries.com or www.courses.bowlsministries.com. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together. Oh my gosh, today on the show you guys, I love exploring the prophetic and one of the reasons why is because of people like Will Ford. And Will is on right now. Hello Will. Hello, Sean. How you doing? I am so good. I'm so excited about talking to you because you're one of the first <laughs> modern-day abolitionists that I've met who has a completely <laughs> kingdom foundation and is rocking it. Like, I love your story so much. I, uh, I actually wrote it. a review for your, your book, and I was serious. I was like, this is one of the most powerful prophetic stories I've ever heard in my entire life. This man, I mean, like everybody needs to read your book, first of all, but second of all, this interview I'm really excited about.
1: I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, I like that little part in the in in the, in the endorsement where you say we, this book actually slaps racism in the face. I kind <laughs> of like I, like, I, like, I kind of like the idea of God pimp slapping racism.
0: But anyway. <laughs> well, it's so true? I mean, as an African American, like yeah, you have lots of options of what you want to do in the yeah. sense of towards racism. And you're choosing an option that not many other people are choosing, which is, God, what do you say? What are you doing? What do you want to say? And building, even looking at your family's history with God's eyes has caused a prophetic story to come out. Again, read the book. That changes the way people view God's desire, what God wanted, and even becoming Martin Luther King's dream. And for me, which racism is one of the things I'm passionate about, just seeing obliterated. I want my girls to grow up not having walls, not having Preconceived ideas, anything that's left in me, I want it rooted out. You know, like just, I want it killed for my family system or whatever. And you guys, you and Matt Lockett, who wrote the book with you, and you guys travel a lot together, you guys did, I think, one of the, literally one of the most reforming books on racism, at least for Christians, if not beyond, I've ever read. Just to, just to say it, just to put it out there.
1: Uh, I appreciate that. You know, and the thing is, it's cause sometimes we get so locked into one particular like social issue, social conservative issue. And uh, we get stuck in that mode. But uh, God is really concerned about everyone from the womb to the tomb. And if you start looking at it a little bit more holistically and a little bit more uh, from a different kind of narrative. I like to say what some of the scholars say, a meta narrative. God is a meta narrative Mm. for a whole nation that drills down to the family you're born into, the color of your skin and where you're located. It's actually Acts 17. Uh twenty six, twenty seven, God is made for one blood, many nations, and determined the bounds of our habitations, time beforehand that we may seek after him and find him, though He be not far from every one of us. In other words, it's not a mistake the families we're born into, the neighborhoods we live in. Uh, all that because God wants us to search after him together and have these wow. engaging, small narratives that connect to his enormous meta-narrative.
0: That is so good. And you've done that. So take us on some of the journey because those people who've heard of you before might know about your family's, you know, big prayer bowl. Those of you who don't know, will you, you need to hear the story because it's just incredible, but kind of take us on some of the journey because you, you know, there's people who are signposts in our generation that God speaks through their life message. I think we all are, but there's certain people get raised up to be a message over a whole genre of things. And this is one of the things I'm seeing for you. So tell us.
1: Well, for, for me, you know, it kind of started when I got connected to the history of my family with this kettle pot that you mentioned. It, it's been in my family for, you know, I guess more than 200 years. It, wow. it was used by the slaves of my family. They use it for cooking. They use it for washing clothes. But secretly, they use it for prayer because they, they were owned by a slave master, in Lake Providence, Louisiana, who would beat them for any reason. And praying was one of them. And wow. so he didn't want them to get a kind of sense of hope for, for freedom. But these folks were Christians and they decided to pray anyway. So they go into a barn late at night, take that cast iron pot in there with them and they would pray uh, and they would take the pot and turn it upside down. Wow. And they use the pot as an acoustic means to keep their prayer meeting secret. So imagine somebody taking a pot, turning it upside down on the cabin floor and then taking a rock and slide it up underneath it, maybe two or three rocks, so it's suspended off the ground about an inch or two. Now imagine someone laying prostrate, laying flat on the ground, mm. and putting their lips in between the opening between the ground and that kettle pot so that the kettle pot can muffle the, your voices as you pray through the, through the night in a whisper. And so uh, the story that was passed down with this pot is so fascinating is that they didn't think they would see freedom in their time, they said, so they prayed for the freedom of their children and the next generation. Wow. So, so one day, this, this young teenage girl, she decides, she decides to keep that pot and that story in our family, probably because she's thinking about all those who are dead and gone, who risked their lives to pray for her. She's probably thinking about all those who are too old to enjoy the freedom she's about to embrace. She keeps that pot and that story and passes it on to a Harriet Lockett, who passed it on to a Noah Lockett, who passed it on to her son, William Ford Sr., who passed it on to William Ford Jr., who then gave it to me, William Ford III. So I would always had this heart. Sean, for intercessory prayer, I mean, you and I met like in 2002, you've always, you know, I'm, you've been around me in the time of, you know, uh, in the prayer movement and all that. I've always had this heart for prayer and I've been c- carrying that part around the country to remind people of, of course, the Revelation 5 and 8, the prayer bowls in heaven full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints and and how, you know, there's a prayer bowl for every family, there's a prayer bowl for every nation, there's a prayer bowl, so you know, uh, that God wants us to resource in this in this time and this hour, because it was the prayers of a godly remnant back then of black Christian slaves and white Christian abolitionists that prayed into being the first and the second great awakening. Had it not been for those revivals, slavery would have never ended in our nation. So, uh, I just believe that God wants to do that same thing now. And so here's what happens. Here's what the short story uh, shifts. I had this dream after traveling around the country with that pod and talking about prayer, unity and revival. You, you know, you and I did some of those conferences together, yeah. uh, back in the day. But, uh, Everything shifted in 2004. I had this dream about Martin Luther King that actually rocked me, where uh, I don't have time to go to too much detail into right now, but you get get our book, The Dream King, the, the story of the dream and all that is in there. I had this dream about him, and in the dream, I just knew that God was taking me to a deeper level of healing, of forgiveness over the race issue, and uh, even my own baggage with the race issue as well. What it's like to be followed by police, uh, in a neighborhood yeah. that I just moved in and, uh, and I noticed like to be chased by a carload full of guys just because of the color of my skin and they were joyriding, calling me the N word and saying they were going to shoot me. I've, wow. I've had that happen. But, you know, the one thing that we all do with those types of things and what I did, what God was confronting me with in the dream was this. Uh, we categorize people. You know, and that's uh, uh, in Revelation. Uh, I think it's 12. It talks about the enemy being the accuser of the brethren. Interesting thing that word accuser is the word kategoros. That's where we get the word category. Mm. And that says diabolical plot. He wants us to categorize everyone or stereotype. Uh, other people and the first thing we do is we lump everybody into the same category and say you know what that's a typical white person that's a typical black person that's a typical asian whatever that's a typical police officer or whatever and uh, we before we ever have the first conversation with anybody we've already determined in our minds who they are because of one bad experience or a couple of bad experiences or this whole totally. narrative of a pe- And so but god he dealt with me in that with that with that encounter with that dream And so it just so happened I was doing a a prayer gathering, uh, a reconciliation at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, which was significant. So the night before I had this dream about Dr. King. So anyway, had that. And then uh, my good friend Lou Engel said, hey, share this dream and come do this prayer gathering with me in Washington, D.C. on MLK Celebration Day. So I'll go there led by this dream. Well, little I know, I'll meet this white guy who came there led by a dream as well we became very very good friends we've been friends for a long time right uh 14 years now and uh, eventually he would take over Lou's ministries and well here's the thing about four years ago my good friend found out that the civil war ended in his family's front yard and we've written about that
0: i know it's so crazy uh, you say saying it's so nonchalantly crazy, yeah. but it's such yeah, a big it's, deal it's, like okay yes yeah, it's,
1: it's, yeah, it's, it's bizarre but then so we find that out on April 6, 1865, the last battle that was farmers of this friend of mine. Uh, wow. His Matt, Matt Lockett. And so, well, and then the crazy thing is, as we, you know, learn more and more of our story together, we find out that there's a connection between his family and my family and where that kettle pot came from. And the trip thing for me that's so prophetic with all this is that we met on MLK Celebration Day, both led by dreams, to the place where Martin Luther King said, in his I have a dream speech, I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at the table of brotherhood. <laughs> and so what I've just given, honestly, is just the tip of the iceberg of what, uh, our, how, how huge the story is. It's taken us three years with all the research and, uh, you know, crossing the eyes and dotting the T's, but also just extrapolating all the meaning that God had placed in this story uh, to put together in this book that we put together called The Dream King <laughs> and how the, how the how the dream of Martin Luther King is being fulfilled to heal racism in America. And so... and But uh, I think it's, it's so... That's how
0: much God loves us, is that he puts you guys as a living story. Like, I mean, I, I remember thinking Martin Luther King had this dream. I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. I was like, God... When is his dream going to be realized? Like, I felt like, you know, yeah. man, I, I was a kid. You know, this is taking forever. Like, when is this going to happen? And <laughs> I grew up in the Air Force, and so most of my friends were different races just because that's how the Air Force right. was. And I was just like, this is so unfair for friends I'm dealing with. Like, we, we got caught a couple times by airmen cops, and the black kids and Asian kids would immediately get, like, really hard consequences. And we get, got let off the hook in front of them, like right in front of them, the same kids. And— <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. And I was like, this is so not fair, God. Like, I, I hate this thing. And I, I remember just thinking that. And, like, you guys, literally, you and Matt, his family had your family as slaves.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I think that we would meet at the Lincoln Memorial um, on the MLK Celebration Day, both led by dreams to the wow. place where the man did the speech. It, 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 it says something to, to, it speaks to the whole thing of, again, the meta-narrative, because uh, if you look at the, I have a dream speech, uh, and you study some of the history, you learn that, uh, that wasn't the first time that Dr. King said, I have a dream. That phrase many believe was actually birthed in a prayer meeting, Sean. Wow. That uh, was a little lady named Prathia Hall, uh, 22 years old. They were, her and Dr. King were in a church that had been burned down by the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. And, uh, uh and so they were there in that church and Prathia Hall begins to pray and she says, I have a dream. And she's just getting to this cadence while she's praying wow. that's stuck with Dr. King. And uh, he, he used that phrase wherever he went in prayer meetings and also inside of uh, inside a different gathering where he sp- was speaking. So he speak later in Detroit and then later, a couple of months later, August 28th. Uh, 1963 releases this powerful speech. So uh, that's where it was burst. So here's the thing. Maybe the maybe that dream speech, maybe it wasn't poetry. Maybe it, poetry, maybe it was prophecy.
0: Absolutely. I think it was. You know, I think people misinterpreted it. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, he, you and I believe yeah, that. Cause
1: he, yeah, because he, he talks about Isaiah 40 in there. I mean, he was actually contending for revival is what he was contending for and so you know there, there there are things that people like to point at about uh, some of the you know the failures or whatever. There are the people in the Bible who have the same failures and as well, as well in many other areas. But the point I'm trying to make is this: there was something transcendent that he was tapping into, and it was the dream of the dream king himself, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, who said in John 17, "Father, I pray that they would be one, so that your glory could come, so that the world would believe." I believe the greatest sign and wonder in the earth right now, Sean, is Unity through diversity in the body of Christ. Yeah. We are so divided right now. We are more divided than ever. And it's going to take a united church to heal a divided nation. The, uh, other people don't understand the, the level of connection that we have to each other uh, as, as believers. And it's going to be such a living witness when they see the love and the unity among us. They say, what must I do to get that kind of affection from somebody else that doesn't look like me? What must I do to be a part of a family like that? What must I do to be saved?
0: This is so good. So tell me this, because you, you've you had some more stories, even with Martin Luther King, kind of tracing them. I remember I was at an event called Azusa Now a couple of years ago, and you were at an event with Martin Luther King's family, who literally right. put mantles on you. Tell us that story.
1: <laughs> well, to tell you that story, i got to tell you a little bit about the back story. There's a little guy named Sean Bowles I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to tell my own
0: story. This story is awesome no, without me, truth. but I'm part of it. No, I wanted to
1: tell this. I wanted to tell this, so... It was maybe a year and a half before this happened, and I think you were just, I've been knowing you for a while, and you've been having a prophetic, amazing prophetic accounts for years, and, and been an amazing teacher in this, in this regard, but Words of Knowledge was, was new, and so sure. I walked into this gathering late because uh, I was actually preparing for teaching, and uh, we wanted to invite you to this uh, round table, whatever, so i go late at night just so I can catch you after you spoke, but you just got up, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. When did you start getting Words of Knowledge like this? It was a beautiful. I loved it. So, so I walk up to you at the end, and you say, Oh God, Will, I, I didn't realize you were here. I had information that I was gonna, uh, I had information that the Lord gave me in my prayer time, but I felt like it was you, but he didn't give me the name of the person. But can I just see if this is you? And I said, Okay. So you, you pull out your, you, your notes there, so you say, Okay, there's, November 30th and June 13th mean anything to you? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, that's my birthday and my wife's birthday. (laughs) He said, okay. Well, he said, let me make sure this is you. Here's what I have for this person. New man will come to you from Martin Luther King to heal the race issue, release justice, and be part of a new civil rights movement. And I was like, what did you say? Because I knew you didn't know about that white bag, black handles dream that I had with Martin Luther King, right? And so uh, he said, hold on, let me make sure this is you. And then you, you, you pull out this. You pull out your notes and you say, okay, does Fawn Valley and this number, this address number, mean anything to you? I was like, yeah, that's my address. And I went, <laughs> I just went, Phew. and it, it wasn't even the Holy Ghost, you know, it wasn't, even, it wasn't like I got slain, slain in spirit. I just got scared. <laughs> <laughs> I just got yeah. scared. I you know, know
0: that. honestly, my yeah. favorite place to give words of knowledge is in black <laughs> church. I, when I've I oh, about five <laughs> black churches and then like prophetic times, I'm like, you are my people. You actually, you respond like yes. I respond. I freak out. And I'm like, what just happened? What is this? What just happened? What is this? And so, uh,
1: so man, you know, uh, so then, you know, I had I actually had a couple of friends who were like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know, that's, that's so specific. I was like, this guy's pretty credible. I've been knowing him for a long time. He's not that kind of dude. But it's like, God, give me confirmation. So here I have a confirmation dream. And so uh, this young uh, lady, this friend of, uh, you probably, probably know her, Mary Wells. Mary yeah, Wells from, from England. For sure. Yeah, she, 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 she's a friend of my wife, de Havilland. Hi, de Havilland. I had to say hi to the wife. But uh, yeah, hi, anyway, Emma. she, uh, uh, Mary uh, comes to visit de Havilland. She said, well, I don't normally dream, but when I do, it's very significant. I had a dream about you last night, and I met you actually in my dream. You walked up to me, and you introduced yourself to me as William Ford III, she said, is that your full name? I was like, yeah, that's that's my full name. She said, yeah, you said your name was William Ford III. And you handed me this book that you said was written by Martin Luther King. And you said that Dr. King had dedicated uh, chapter 17 of his book to you. And uh, she said, in the dream, I opened it up. And sure enough, Dr. King was thanking you for taking up his own business. For some reason, Dr. King nicknamed you John. Does this mean Whoa. anything to you? I'm like. Yeah, because Sean just gave me this word. One. Two, it's John 17. It's yeah. the unfinished business of yeah. Dr. King and the unfinished business of the dream king himself, you know? And so that's that's what that's what the dream is. So anyway, all well, the year goes by on, on April 9th, uh, the anniversary of when the Civil War ended, the anniversary of the Zeus Street revival as well, and also the anniversary when Dr. King was buried. Matt Lockett and I did a foot washing at the Lincoln Memorial mm. with uh, the family of Dr. King. Alveda King and Bernice King were there and uh, several other leaders. And black and white, we all washed each other's feet at the Lincoln Memorial on that day using that kettle pot for my family. And at the end, I mean, so powerful, so meaningful, it was amazing. At the end, the King family, through uh, you know, uh, Bishop Harry Jackson and his uh, ministry, um, on Reconciliation, which is amazing. They gave out these mantles to all these leaders, all these big megachurch like, leaders or whatever, Jim Garlow and the samurai rig and some other friends, wow. right? And, they, and they, they wind up giving a mantle to me as well. And then, um, and this comes from the, the, the Martin Luther King uh, uh, Family uh, Legacy Foundation. But anyway, they put the mantle on me at the Lincoln Memorial, the place where Martin Luther King did the speech on oh my gosh. the anniversary of when he was buried, and I'm getting a mantle (laughs) from his family for healing the race issue, and I just kind of said to myself, Sean Bowles is a prophet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I love about this, though, is number one, it's a real mantle. It really happened from his family. Yeah, it really happened. And number two, the significance of the date. And I just think that that, again, it points at how much Jesus himself, and he demonstrated this in the Bible several times, is the ultimate racial reconciler i mean he's the ultimate he can restore he all things I mean even john ford when he goes to the samaritan woman that was a racial issue between the samaritans and the jews that was just as exactly. real and pertinent between the black white issue in america or the asian hispanic issue in america or whatever it's just as pertinent but we don't see him or we don't look at jesus as as a civil rights leader yet he totally was in such a huge way a woman's rights leader a civil rights yes. leader it's crazy yes. but i love the detail of this story because This is how much, like those of you who are listening, as we're exploring the prophetic, sometimes you wonder, like, does God care about civil rights? And then you hear a story like this, and you're like, not only does he care, but he's releasing leaders right now to share an old message in a new way, meaning it's a biblical message in a way that's current and relevant for our culture and society. And he's allowed their lives generationally to reflect the beauty of the message. That's what's crazy. Mind blown.
1: Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, my, yeah, likewise. It, and, it, and, it, and you know how it is, when you become this whole, you know, it's a funny thing. Everybody, all my other friends, they get the walking signs and wonders. I become the sign of wonders. Yeah. It's <laughs> the weirdest thing. But uh, over, over the years, it's how God always kind of uses me. But the deal is this. If I'm the sign, what is, what is the wonder? The wonder is this. God's love for us in such a deep, profound way to let us all know that no one is a mistake. Nothing just happens. And he is the God of providence. And, that, and, and he's involved in every little single detail of our lives. And I believe that mantle was released to me as a sign that he's mantling a generation for acts yes. of justice to see wrong things get made right, to bring healing of many of these yes. issues that we see going on right now uh, well, from the race issue and other things that are going on. Uh, we, used to, we look at Black Lives Matter. We look at uh, now some folks saying, um, uh, white lives matter, and all lives matter. God's saying, "Drill down for Life matters." Yes, and He's drilling down to 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 the things that are really essential. You know, we look at the Me Too movement, all these other things. What I'm saying is, there's a meta narrative, and don't be afraid of the things that. are are, are popping up in in culture right now, even with the riots and other things that that are going on. God has a remedy and we need to tap into what he's saying. We need to tap into his heart not what Fox News is saying, not what MSNBC is saying. We need to tap into what the good news of the gospel is right now in a deeper and profound way and find out what heaven is saying about these issues because God's allowing these things to come to the surface because Mm -hmm. he's the only one that can be a healer uh, to to, to these issues and he wants to use us to be the one to do it, yeah. We, we have to become problem solvers to a society right now.
0: We do, and that's what the world's asking. Like the world has a huge prayer list that sometimes the church doesn't know. Oh have, yeah. Which is like, do you care that my son was just shot by a corrupt police officer, or do you care exactly. that I'm a police officer who's just shot by a corrupt person? Whatever you know. Either exactly. way, it's like the world's exactly. asking, like God, do you care about what we care about? And God's saying, not only do I care, but I've I've done thousands of years of work for not only your good but future generations good and you're part of the story like you're saying the meta story so you guys started an organization and it's around it's about 818 which i think is fascinating because those of you who are listening i know many of us have numbers 11 11 22, 22. Like numbers mean things to people in the body of christ like right. i get haunted by the signs of heaven all the time like 818 is one of my big numbers and we had just talked about it a couple of weeks ago where you guys started an organization of 818 tell us a little bit about that journey
1: Yeah, just uh, real quick, I kept seeing the number 818. I wake up at 818, I get up to speak at different conferences or whatever, and I look at the clock, it'd be 818 on the clock. (laughs) I thought it was all psychosomatic, you know, at first, until a car cut me off one day and and the license plate said, WLF, my initials, zero, 818. So I was getting... So I go on a fast, and my Bible—I was hoping it was Deuteronomy 8:18 at the time, right? The power to power the gain wealth. Right? Yeah. I didn't get a witness on that. I was hoping I'd get a witness on that, but I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> get a quickening on that. But uh, but the thing I did get a quickening on was uh, going this fast. My Bible falls open to Isaiah chapter 8, and I look at verse 18, and I look at oh, it's 8:18. It says, "I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel." Yes. And Isaiah was talking about how not how his family would not just. Walked in signs and wonders. He was saying, "My family is the sign and wonder." And so I, I, I searched it out a little bit, and just real quick, I found out that Isaiah had two sons. One son, his name was Maher Shalal Hash which is like the longest name in the Bible. Exactly. It, what's interesting is that Maher Shalal Ali, uh, who, actor in Hollywood, his, his mother actually named him after after after. Wow. Him. But anyway, yeah, he just won a, won an Oscar like last year. But anyway, uh, his mother's a praying woman, so be praying for him. But anyway, so uh, that the name. Uh, it has kind of a twofold meaning, but basically the sun represented the crisis that was in the nation, uh, the nation of Israel, because they made an alliance not born of God's spirit. And let's so start speaking about all of those who are uh, in a crisis uh, in our mm-hmm. nation. The least of these, uh, the marginalized, whether it's uh, the uh, racial minorities or whatever, the least of these in this nation are basically the barometer for the spiritual condition of an entire nation. Wow how you did, How you, ever you treat the least of these, you done that unto me. And then so I looked at that and I thought, oh, wow, that's powerful. But then I looked over and in Isaiah 7, 3, you see Isaiah's other son. Here's another son. His name is Sharedrashub. Sharedrashub literally means a remnant shall return. Mm. So one son represents the crisis. The other one represents the call. One son represents uh, the dilemma. The other one represents the deliverance. One son represents the turmoil. The other one represents the turnaround. And I don't want to get all black preaching on you, but I just want to tell you, child, no, I believe that God you. is raising up <laughs> God is raising up a remnant that's going to so radically turn their hearts to him. They're going to turn their communities around. They're going to turn a nation around. God is raising up the sign of the turnaround. Right. And he's raising up people who are going to so radically turn their heart to him. They're gonna turn their communities yes. around. They're gonna turn their nation around. God's raising up the sign of the turnaround. One of the places you're gonna see this is they're gonna be there's coming the sign of the turnaround in the inner cities. God's yes. not leaving the inner cities out of the revival narrative of this nation. He's raising up believers of all different races who are gonna put their privilege at risk and go there and stay so that other people could flourish. That's one. Two, he's raising up the sign of the turnaround in healing the race issue in this nation. And three, he's raising up uh, the sign of those who are contending for awakening in this nation and the nations of the earth. So that's basically what uh, Isaiah uh, 818, the sign is all about. Uh, we're contending for revival in this new sound, but bringing everybody together uh, and, uh, and contending for awakening.
0: This is so good. Well, tell us how to get a hold of you and also just about your book, Where to Buy It.
1: Yeah, sure. The book, The Dream King, uh, you can go to uh, our website, Dream Stream Company com. It's dreamstreamcompany.com. Cool, yeah, just thank you. you can just click on store, and uh, I'll tell you how we came up with that name in just a little bit. And then uh, for eight one eight the sign, and just to, so you can keep abreast of different gatherings that we're putting together, eight uh, one uh, eight the sign dot org. That's the number eight one eight the sign and look forward to staying in contact with you.
0: Awesome. Well, tell us how you came up with that name. I want to hear it.
1: Okay, yeah, so Lou Engel and I, we were on a prayer journey. You know, we do these prayer journeys. In 2003, we decided to prayer walk the Trail of Tears, Lou and I, mm. to see the healing of the people. had some friends the on one of with people. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. So the first day of it, Lou and I were parked outside this church, Trinity Church, Cedar Hill, and we see the sign, the marquee says, The Dream Stream. Mm. And there's this teaching series that Jim Hennessy was doing. So Lou says, Hey, Will! There's something to this. You know, I lose talks. <laughs> just it's like... my raspberry voice. I'm trying to... There, there's something. I'm going to make this something up here. <laughs> if you hang around the dream king, you get into a dream stream. What's the rest <laughs> of it, Will? I was like, I don't know. I don't know, Lou. I said, oh, you wind up on a dream team and you do the Martin Luther King thing. So we hang now. We always say, if you hang around the dream king, you get into a dream stream. God is so beautiful in that... Years before I would ever meet Matt, years before we ever find out the rest of our story. In 2003, he gives us a hint through this little poem. You know, if you hang around the Dream King, <laughs> you wind up on the Dream Team. You, uh, you wind up in the Dream Stream, you get to do the Martin Luther King thing. You know, it's just uh, beautiful that he, 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 he was giving those hints along Absolutely. the way. And I think he's doing the same thing for somebody on the line, many people on the line right now. You know, I, I've been led by dreams. I know you have to, of course, you know, use the, the Bible and other wise counsel around you to make sure you're going in the right direction. But I think there's going to be a dream explosion for people after they listen yes. to this. Uh, not that even Dreams in the middle of the night, but also your aspirations, those dormant dreams. It's time to dust it off right now, get back into what God's caused you to do. But uh, anyway, I just felt that to share that.
0: I love this. Thank you so much, Will, for being on the podcast today. And I'm going to encourage everyone who's listening to follow Will on social media and go to his website, visit, get his book. It's a powerful book. Seriously, I'm not just saying it because I love it. I'm saying it because I know it's a message for a generation. Also join the conversation. If you do have a dream, if you do have some sort of encounter, tell us, go to the Exploring the Prophetic uh, webpage, go to Sean Bowles at The Public Facebook and and tell us because we want to hear about it. You're amazing. Thanks, Will.
1: Much love to you. Thank you so much, Sean.
0: Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I want to encourage you to continue the conversation with us online at www.bowlesministries.com. We have exciting resources, e-courses, books, even children's materials to help you grow in the prophetic and go on a continuing journey of hearing God's voice. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate and tell all your friends. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together.